Hey, what's going on, champs? I'm Erin Deliosa. Welcome to an Immigrant's Life podcast, my podcast about immigrants and immigration and everything in between. Thank you for listening and downloading the show, and thank you for supporting my dad. Welcome back, Immigrant Nation. Another week, another new episode. There goes the first week of January 2023. How are you? How's your New Year's resolution? You still sticking with it? I hope you are. You made that contract to yourself. You signed that paper, at least on your mind. And I hope you're sticking with it. It's okay to pause. You don't have to kill yourself all the time. But you gotta keep on continuing. Because it's better for you to know that you tried than to feel pain and know that you quit on yourself. So take it easy on yourself, wrestle if you need to, but you gotta keep on going forward. Anyways, I wanna thank you for joining us and especially the old listeners for listening every week. Thank you for supporting as always. If you are new here, welcome. I hope you like what you're hearing and I hope that you would subscribe. We are available on all podcasting platforms, even on YouTube. Also, if you or someone you know wants to be a guest on the podcast, send me a message on our social media accounts at An Immigrant's Life. You can also email us at animmigrantslife at yahoo.com. That's the biz. Now, let's talk about the episode. After living in a hustle mentality, our guest this week learned to live his life one day at a time through his immigration journey. Champs, this one's a good one, and I know you're going to enjoy it. So let's not waste more time. So, without further ado, let's get into the show. Isa, dalawa, tatlo. Today's guest is a photographer and a techpreneur. He's dedicated to capture moments perfectly as he believes that images communicate louder than words. Everyone, please welcome Oluwafemi Oso. How you doing, my man? I'm very well. Thank you so much for having me today. Uh, thank you for your... for. I'm, I'm really looking forward to an amazing conversation on this oh, podcast. You're yeah. too kind. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. I really do appreciate that. I know you're a busy man. And you still agreed to, you know, come on the podcast and have a conversation. Thanks. Why don't you tell the Immigrant Nation where they can reach you or if you want to promote anything before we get into it? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you can reach me on um, Instagram at femiosho underscore. Also on my website, femiosho-photography.com. And, uh, and also you can send me a mail at uh, info at femiosho-photography.com. So those are the avenues to reach me. And um, basically, in case you want to book any of our services, which I'm going to be talking about later on as well. So, yeah, feel free to holler at me. Definitely. Your photographies are amazing, dude. Thank They're you so beautiful. much. Thank you. <laughs> Before we start talking about the, the photography, I want to get some like background on you. Right. Originally from Lagos, Nigeria. Uh, mm-hmm. What was it like for you to grow up in Lagos? Yeah, I, I I actually grew up in another part of uh, Nigeria, it's southwest mm. part. They call it uh, Ikiti State. But um, shortly after I finished my studies in college, and um, I went to university. So after that, I went. That was when I moved to Lagos, and I lived in Lagos for a couple of years. 
But uh, Lagos is a very wonderful city. Um, it's a city of dreams mm. where dreams come true and is every hustler's city. So basically, um, Lagos don't sleep, right? Um, two for seven, there's always something going on everywhere in Lagos. So mm. it's a pretty bubbly city. And, um, you know, and one, one thing that we say, you know, back from Lagos is that if you're able to make it in Lagos, you can make it anywhere in the world. <laughs> And that's true. <laughs> 100%. You know the when that song that New York New York right like if you can right. make it New York like yo take it easy. Yeah. <laughs> New York is a layup for other people. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I would say Lagos is a very wonderful city where you just got to keep the work going on and um, there is chance and opportunity for everyone to become whoever they want to become. Um yeah, but it's a it's a hustler city. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Definitely. You mentioned that you grew up in a different part of Nigeria. Was yes. it in a rural area? Uh, it, it's not a rural area, but um, it's a great city as well. Hmm. Um, it's from the southwestern part of Nigeria, and um, they call it uh, Ikiti State. Um, you know, and it's not very far from Lagos as well. It's like a couple of hours from Lagos. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, That's including that- traffic? Yes, yes. <laughs> I I love watching like Nigerian uh, documentaries. It's just the yeah. it's just the, for the lack of a better word, it's like the craziness of it. You know, like you'll see yeah. a car and they'll put so much stuff on on top of the yes. car. Yes, yes, and you know, like Lagos is, is is such an interesting city. There's always good energy, you know, good vibes. You know, there are things to do. For example, um, December period in Lagos, they call it Dirty December, right? Mm. And the concept of Dirty December is that that's when, you know, shows are happening in Lagos, like concerts around there, different artists are performing, you know, different uh, church activities, you know, you know, you know, different musicians from the secular, like, and everything, like things are, as I'm speaking to you right now, things are going on in Lagos this time because it's, it feels like a lot of folks come from different parts of the world, you know, to just go to Lagos to celebrate at December, you know, to, just to have time with the family. So things are, you know, really bubbly at this, you know, at this time of the year in Lagos as, as well. Mm. So you're homesick right now? Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the worst when you go online and, you know, go on social media and you see, you know, family and friends posting like they're, having yes. fun like god damn it yes yes you know you went to lagos to study you said what did you study yeah so for my bachelor's i i studied mathematics um from from another state um they call it ocean state and from obafemi Awolowo university mm-hmm. uh, one of the notable universities in uh, in in, uh, in in nigeria then for my bachelor's then for my master's i did computer science in university of lagos Mm-hmm. So and it was it was pretty fun. <laughs> mm. yeah. How so? Yeah, fun fun in the sense that uh you know um studying in in uh, in that part of the world where we're from it's 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 very it's very it's a different ballgame because you got to really you know study hard you know really pay attention to whatever you're being taught in class of course so it it takes and you know coupled with the fact that there's a lot going on in terms of activity so it's easy to be distracted but you just got to keep it moving you know so that's what makes it interesting in the middle of the chaos you just got to make it work <laughs> yeah definitely the word chaos yeah, yeah. <laughs> for the good and the bad exactly yeah. 
yeah. your family socially economically uh, status like are they doing well were you, or were you a um, scholarship um i i wasn't on scholarship uh it was uh family thankfully everyone is doing pretty cool so it was uh it was funded by uh by my family you know my my study so yeah Mm-hmm. Did you always want to do math and sciences, or was there other choices that you know you that's wanted good, to do? That's a good question. Actually, I wanted to study electrical electronics engineering uh, when I was going to university, but um, at, at some point in my in my journey, I I was um, I wasn't getting what I wanted, and I remember that time when I was just praying to God for direction and to really know exactly what I was going to do in the university. It's a long story, but, you know, God came through and uh, I got admitted into mathematics. And I knew that it was because that was what God wanted me to go for. So I didn't even bother changing into electrical electronics. I just I just talked to mathematics, even though my folks at some point wanted me to go into medical field. Right. But I'm not so much. Um, comfortable with uh, life, like, you know, handling people's, like, real life, like, literally handling people's health, I feel it's better for me if I handle gadgets, right? Mm, <laughs> I thought, yeah. no, I, I can't go into that. But I, I studied mathematics, pretty interesting stuff, for four years in the university. Then after that, I figured out, okay, okay, what's next? I don't want to be a teacher, right? And I don't want to be, because uh, my, my passion is beyond the classroom, right? So I thought... I think I would like to apply what I learned in the university for my bachelor's to something out there. And what is pretty close to that is either financial mathematics, which would make me maybe a finance guy in the New York, like probably I'll probably move to New York, you know, you know, working with a stock exchange and whatnot, mm. or just go into the other part of uh, computing, which I, I've always had passion for gadgets and computer and stuff. So, so I gave it a shot. I did the master's in computer science and uh, thankfully it was, it was rewarding as well. Hmm. Congratulations. Where did yeah. the passion for gadgets came from? Yeah, pretty much. I think I'm just a very, naturally speaking, like naturally I'm very curious and passionate about how things work. Hmm. Right? I, if I, like what exactly is beyond, is behind the technology that makes a phone work. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a curious person naturally, right? So that's what, you know, forced my passion to want to ask those questions about, you know, how does this, how does gadget works? You know, what makes system work? Not just what I see on the surface, but what is beneath, you know, what is behind, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is, but that's powering our technology. So that's, that was what, you know, that has, that's what formed my passion into going further into computer science. And also mm-hmm. just being able to apply because, um, you know, naturally speaking, most programmers have good foundation in mathematics. Ideally, if you want to be a good programmer, you should know a little bit of math, some logic, some algebra, you know, and whatnot. So it just felt it was just a natural, you know, pull towards computer science based on those different factors. Mm-hmm. Were you the type of kid that tried to like open up the gadgets when you were younger to yep. figure it out? That's me right there. <laughs> How much trouble you got in? Yep. <laughs> Couple. <laughs> Just trying to see what is behind the TV, you know, back in the day, you know, those old school television where you have to pull, you know, the, the stuff like you're pulling a wardrobe. Just... Mm. Losing the boat at the back to try to see what exactly is behind the screen. <laughs> so I got into trouble a couple of times doing that. Because mm, I, me too, I was a curious kid. I tried to, one time I tried to open it. You know those Game & Watch? Right, right, right. I tried to open them. I couldn't put them together. 
Right. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I got in trouble. And then one time I had this like mini Sony mm-hmm. uh, piano, not piano, like right. organ. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I was doing I did this. <laughs> I split the wires and then I put two um, uh, plugs on him. Oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, plug, I plug it in. Boom. Oh. <laughs> Oh, mom came home and you know what happened after. That's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So after you finished your master, did you stay in Lagos? Did you work? What did you do? Yeah. After I finished my master's, I I stayed back in Lagos and I, and I, um, actually when I was wrapping up, when I, I actually started working before I started my master's. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, after my bachelor's degree, then I, then I started working. So it was while I was working that I went to do my master's in computer science. So I was literally doing a part-time master's degree and I was also working. So it was pretty much going to classes every weekend um, just to get lectures. And uh, uh, that lasted for two years. It took a while. And uh, yeah, so I was doing both at the same time. Mm-hmm. Why did you decide to work? Was it because you wanted to earn some money? I know you said that you know the family is doing well on anyway, so you, mm-hmm. it feels like you don't have to send them money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, I I was the reason is that I I was already working, and I was like, okay, do I just want to keep on working, or do I want to still proceed with the academic part? Because mm-hmm. I, I was IT already, right? And like I said, I I I didn't want to settle for just bachelor's, right? Mm-hmm. So. I, I said, okay, it's a great idea to just start the master's, you know. So, but of course, the, the family is good, and um, I think uh, some, you know, some some part of them of the of the fee from work, of course, just also making sure I'm also responsible to fund some aspects of the education as well. So, yeah. Mm. And then, then after master's, you went full time working full time for the company. Yeah, I, I was working full time for the company, right? Oh, but okay. it, was, it was just weekends that I was doing my masters, so nothing was impacting. Like the work wasn't impacting the masters and vice versa. Right? And what were you doing? Yeah, I I was I I was in I've always been in tech, so pretty much I was in um, I I was working as a technical specialist at some mm. point uh, for the organization where I worked, and um, pretty much. What that would involve is just doing some demos, some proof of technology, proof of concept for customers in different technology space like cloud analytics, uh, you know, data, artificial intelligence and whatnot. So I pretty much started off putting my, putting my feet in different parts of tech uh, when I started off and uh, that really uh, paid off. So you were doing all right. Yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah. But then you still decided to move to Winterpeg. Yeah, good question. Yeah, that's what happened that. there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know, I think there is one philosophy that I sort of have, or rather, one uh, mindset that I have is that, regardless of where 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 we are in the world, there's always you know room for improvements to do better, right? Mm-hmm. Even though things were looking pretty promising and looking good, I still felt that um, I would. I'm a citizen of the world, right? And I would really like to explore you know, different parts of the world. And um, I think that was when the dream to relocate to Canada started. And I said, okay, um, we're here, you know, things are going pretty well, but um, we can do more, right? We can explore different parts of the world and see how things are done as well. 
So that was what fueled my, you know, curiosity to want to relocate um, to to Canada specifically, and um, to to Manitoba, right? And it it feels like going from two different sides of the two different parts of the world because, um, you know, uh, Lagos is known for the usly and bustling and the heat. It's pretty much warm, warmer in Lagos, mm. and now coming to Winterpeg, that is extreme. <laughs> cold and it's very quiet <laughs> mm-hmm. so it's like two sides two different parts uh you know they are like two two conflicting uh, uh environment but it really i would say it's been amazing living here uh for like three years now three years plus it's been mm-hmm. wonderful living in winterpeg uh mm-hmm. except for the cold though. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a cold yeah <laughs> yeah like yeah. Uh, I, I talk about this on the podcast all the time that you know i live in i live in quebec montreal Oh, and we, you know, it gets cold here too. Not mm-hmm. compared to Winnipeg, obviously. Right. And sometimes, you know, when the snow is so heavy and it's on top of the, on top of your car and just clearing it up. Yeah. I always tell myself, I have this mantra of, it's either this or starvation. Yeah. <laughs> you got to choose one now. <laughs> and guess what I choose? Right. <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. Always. You know. But why did you choose Winnipeg? So yeah, um, I, I got some of my folks here already. Uh, mm. That have been here for a long time, so it's it's just natural for me to want to come here first and settle here. And um, so my plan was just to come and settle and see how things are before I maybe leave. But it's three; it's the third year now, and I'm and I'm having a good time so far. So I yeah, so that's why I moved here. Mm. You said folks. Is that your parents or just family members? Family members. Mm-hmm. Where's mom and dad? Oh, they they are based they are based in, in uh, they are based in Nigeria at the moment. They're not planning to move. Yeah, just visit here and there, you know. Yeah. It's too cold. Yeah, still it's too cold. <laughs> and you know they like the like you said the hustle and bustle, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like um, it happened to us, uh, our family, a few years ago when they were thinking of bringing my grandma here. Right. And I said I I, I voted no to that because I know yeah. her. She right. wants the, you know, she wants the neighbor, the gossip and all that stuff. You know, she wants the craziness. Yeah. <laughs> Com- then coming here, it's quiet. She's just going to get depressed. Yeah, true that. True that. You know? yeah. And they're doing well, like you said, your parents, right? Yeah. yeah. What age when you move? Um, I moved, uh, I think I, I marked my 30th birthday here. Hmm. Um, in, yeah, I moved in, yeah. I moved at um, just few months to I think few days to clock in thirty. That was when I moved here. Wow! So yeah. you're like a man, man. Yes, sir. You yes, know, sir. <laughs> how hard was that? I it was. I think for me it was pretty tough too. I would say because you know coming from Lagos, we had built connections and friends and different folks and you know colleagues and everyone. So. It almost feels like okay, I'm leaving these guys, and uh, but of course I just had to look at a bigger picture to say okay, mm. I'm still gonna make new friends where I'm going, and it's not like um, I'm a kind of person that I don't I don't I don't burn bridges. So regardless of where I'm at, you know I still try to keep in touch with some of my folks back mm. home. So at the end of the day, um, you know uh, we just gotta do what we gotta do, right? So. Mm-hmm. Definitely. When you got to Winnipeg, did you have a job already or you were planning to look for a job? Yeah, I didn't have a job coming in. Uh, 
just said, okay, we'll just hit the ground running and planning to just apply, applying for jobs, doing interviews. So, but I didn't have a ready job. I, it wasn't like there was something already waiting for me here, but it was, it was, I got, it was until I got here that I got job as well. How was that experience? Yeah, it was, it was pretty, um, I wouldn't say it was, it was fun. <laughs> it wasn't fun. But I think one thing that I found very, you know, very interesting was that I had friends, or I have friends that are, that are very supportive, and my family, you know, my my folks that I said have been here before, you know, just getting that support from them was very easy, made it easier in settling in, you know, mm. and also just speaking with people that have gone ahead, you know, that have been here much longer, they were able to give the right advice. In terms of okay, this is how to you know to work on your resume um, for the interviews. These are the things you know you have to prepare for for interviews. You know because you know coming from a different culture, you know you just gotta make sure that you know I I'm being I mean I'm being positioned rightly for the culture here, so that mm. you know, in my interviews in my job applications I'm able to speak the right language just to make sure um, you know I'm fit culturally as well. I think that that was. Thing, something that I had to blend into. And um, yeah, I think with that, he, you know, he made it easier to really settle in uh, mm. job and other things. Yeah, I like what you said about the resume because, yeah. you know, I don't know in Nigeria, but back home, they even put the, the age and yes, the gender. Yes, birth. <laughs> yes, sir. You know, all like the things that you like doing. Yeah, hobbies. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, so... You know, living here for a while now, I know a little bit of like resume and everything. So every time somebody comes in in a family or whatever, yeah, I try to help them with that because yeah. And it's funny because they write it how it's from back home, right? And I said, no, 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 you don't have to put the age. And they're like, well, how would they know that I'm my age? I'm like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so you're very lucky that you had family and friends there. Yeah, thankfully. Mm. Yeah. What have you learned about yourself from being an immigrant? So, uh, so what I've learned is that I've been an immigrant there. Yeah, I think the first thing that I that I that I realize is that you gotta, you gotta. It's a thing of the mindset. You 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 gotta have a sense of ownership as well, you know, and um, ownership in a sense that um, knowing that even though you're new in a country, but you gotta be able to. Um, to to call the country your home as well, you know, mm. not just say their country, right? But because it is when you see yourself as a stakeholder, as someone that is going to contribute to the success of the community and society, that's when you can begin to think of how to make impact in society, right? Because if you're if you're like if if I'm like saying okay, that's their community, Winnipeg is their home, right? Then it's gonna be difficult for me to embrace everything the city holds for me, you know, in terms of everything, you know. But um, if I'm able to have that mindset, okay, Winnipeg is my place, is my city, right? Then mm. it it brings about the mindset of inclusion for me. And that's the only way I can make change in the community. So I believe that's that's mindset has to change, you know, for immigrants coming in to know that where they're going, they are not strangers. They may be new in the city, but they got to be able to uh, find that place to learn about the community, settle in pretty well. No rush. I learned that also. You don't rush in Canada, right? You got to take your time. Because, you know, Canada is a place where, you know, you, you got to be able to to learn. You got to be able to take your time and really, um, you know, blending in the society, you know, just, you know, just be a blessing to others around you. 
Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I love that you said no rush because there are like here is like there are actual steps and it actually works. Yes, exactly. Because coming from Lagos, Lagos is a city is fast paced. Mm. Do it's it's you gotta you gotta be up and running. You you gotta be very fast in Lagos, right? Mm-hmm. That even tells when you're driving in Lagos. Oh boy, you gotta be like very. You know, <laughs> so those were the things that I, you know, had to drop to say, okay, Femi, you got to take it easy. You know, one day, one thing I tell my friends, one of my mantra is that I take life one day at a time. Mm. I, I don't, I don't sweat big stuff. I just take it one day at a time. We're done today. We pick it up again tomorrow. We're just taking one day at a time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So what did you use to teach yourself not to rush? And take your time. Yeah, I think um, you know, having you know, just listening to people that have been around, mm. and also having a first time experience of when I started work, and um, I was pretty much, I wanted to do everything, you know, on the first day, and I remember my boss telling me to take things easy, you know, to, to really, <laughs> to really be calm because, um, you know, just prioritizing uh, quality work over just any delivery work like the work has to be a good you know just put it in the best working and you can only put the best in when you're pretty much relaxed and and i'm not and i'm not saying relaxed in terms of taking things with levity but relaxed in terms of just be being calm to really pay attention to details so i learned that from the folks that have been that have gone because i also have friends that have been here that came here before me so I learned from them as well, and also from my own hands, <laughs> first-hand experience, you know, doing my first job here. Mm-hmm, definitely. Was there a moment in your immigration experience that you had like a culture shock moment? You'd be like, oh, I am not in Lagos anymore. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I remember one vividly that came that is very fresh. Um, back home... Um, when you when you wake up in the morning and you probably like you, you get to work and um, in Lagos or in Nigeria you can ask folks hey how are you doing today how was your night you know hope you slept well right and I realized that I said it one time at work and the person was like why do you care to know about how I spent my night that's, that's about. I'm like I didn't realize that's that's a big it was like no that's a that's a personal information. How are you concerned about how I spent? I'm like, my bad. <laughs> I told my friend, I was like, for me, you don't ask that here. Like, you know, you don't ask how was your night. You know, it's it's weird. You know, it's, it's creepy. And I'm like, okay, my bad. So that was a cautious chalk for me. <laughs> so. That's funny. Yeah. Okay. So in Nigeria, they ask, how was your night? And what did you do? What's the idea? Yeah, so basically the idea of asking, I think it's it's a it's 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 more of a contextual thing, right? So if a Nigerian asks you how was tonight, basically they are just what they are trying to say is that hope you had a restful night. Like did you sleep well? You know, like you know, <laughs> did you you know hope hope you 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 were refreshed over the night. You get what I mean? Hmm. Not necessarily asking you the details of what you did uh, <laughs> over okay. the night, right? But asking that asking a Canadian that would probably they'll probably tell me, tell me to you asking them, you know, tell me the details about your night. <laughs> right, so. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that normal Canadian definitely would like, 
Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What, what are you trying to get at? Exactly, exactly, exactly. So I was like, okay, I, I learned that. So, so I just kept my my greetings high level. Oh, <laughs> yeah, just kept it high level. That's funny. Okay, this happens to me and a lot of people as uh, mm-hmm. immigrants. Did you have issues spending money when you moved to Canada? Oh boy, <laughs> that was that was crazy. I remember coming in. I had. I saved some, like I saved some, some money, and I, I had, like I really said, yeah, I'm gonna ball. I got money. <laughs> <laughs> and then I came in, and um, you know, I went to store. You know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big fan of shopping as well. I like to mm-hmm. shop for shoes and you know whatever it is that makes me look good. Mm-hmm. So I went for shopping with my, 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 my folks, and um, I kept looking at the prices of things and, and, and I had my phone with me and kept on doing the math. Okay, how much is this in Naira? I'm like, shoot, this is expensive. I'm not buying. <laughs> like, this is this is fifty dollar. That's almost twenty thousand Naira. No, it's too expensive. I can't do that. You know, so I kept on doing that. Then I remember my folks telling me that you gotta calm down, right? Because like um even though the rate is is different, but you got to think about it, you know, going back to what I said earlier about mindset, you got to look at it from this way. You're not earning in Naira, you're earning in dollars, right? So it's only fair you spend a dollar. Mm. So looking at it that way, because the the spending is relative, right? Not that I'm not that I'm earning in, in Naira and I'm spending in dollar, right? I'm earning in dollar and I'm spending in dollar. That's so mm. in that case, it evens out. I'm like, okay. So it took me a while to really blend in, but I was, at the beginning, I was so frustrated. I was like, because the money I brought in didn't even spend, I, I probably, I blew everything off in like two months. And it was, <laughs> and it was a lot of money. <laughs> and I'm like, no way. So, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's. It, to be honest, even I've been living in Canada for almost twenty years now, right? Wow, wow. And I still have that. If so, if you tell me, oh, the the haircut is fifty dollars, it mm-hmm. doesn't mean anything to me, right? And I'll be like, okay, it's fifty, right? Okay, we'll right. pay fifty then, you know? Yeah. It, like you know, cause, but there's some people like, oh, that's expensive, right? I don't know if it's expensive to be honest. Exactly. <laughs> I just like okay, that's fifty's fifty. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever get to that spot that like, oh yeah, that is expensive. Mm. A little bit. Sometimes I'll be like, okay, if it's like, I don't know, a pair of shoes and right. it's like $200. Okay, bro. Bro. I know it's <laughs> expensive, you know. If it's like 130 120 that's good, you know. Mm-hmm. But 150 200 is too much. Right. You mentioned, I mentioned it earlier that you're a photographer. How did you get into photography? Good question. Um, it's a long story, but I'm gonna keep it short. So no, no, we have time. <laughs> so I, I, I remember one time while I was working in in the tech organization I was working with, and um, my contract was over at some point in and, Lagos. Uh, in Lagos, okay. And I needed to put food on the table, right? And um, just also to be responsible, and uh, you know, just being. You know, just just we just gotta find a way. We're in Lagos, right? So, before I left, I bought a camera. Uh, because I I I used to, you know, there's a cousin of mine that that likes to take photo. So I sometimes I use this camera back in the day. Uh, but when I was able to afford one, I I bought one for myself then, mm. Lagos, and I just started taking photos. Uh, you know, you know, and um, I now realized that at some point. I really do 
you know, I was I was getting patronized by my friends and they were paying good for it. And that was a token I needed from God that, okay, Femi, there's something in this for you. You don't have to make it a hobby, right? You got to take it a top notch, a notch mm -hmm. higher. So I, I now, you know, of course, YouTube University is what everybody... <laughs> So I, I went to YouTube, I started learning. Then I also volunteered to, to serve in my local church back in Lagos. Mm. So I worked at the media team. I was in the photography unit. So pretty much that means I handed camera at least once a week, you know, which is every Sunday. So I take photos. And um, from there, you know, I started, you know, getting much more, you know, I then from there, I, I literally just fell in love with photography because you know and that was also a very an avenue for me to you know to capture moments to meet new people and um initially started off as a documentary photographer mm. um, uh, and what that involves essentially is going through you know going to different streets in lagos just going on the road and just you know documenting stories of people of you know people doing different stuff on the streets and you know the busyness of lagos and all of that so that really formed a good foundation for my photography journey um just you know because in itself photography it's it's storytelling right mm -hmm. you're telling a story that's the essence of photography so starting off as a documentary photographer or street photographer you know they are pretty much different but they're similar um starting off there was you know really helped me to um have the mindset that whatever genre of photography i'm doing i'm still telling story right i just got to be able to tell a story that is sincere and um that really captures the essence of uh, the subjects that i'm mm. you know, i'm telling the story about so yeah that was mm. how did you start it when you're walking around lagos were you scared that someone's gonna rob you and take away the camera yeah, so Lagos is a very, like I said, is a hustle. Is a is um, so taking photos in Lagos, it's not for the faint-hearted. <laughs> 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 so and uh, because there are a couple of people on the street that are, they don't they they are really. It's not even a it's not even a conversation of constant, right? It's just a matter of people don't like the fact that you just take photos on the street because they feel like maybe you're going to report something about them or whatever. Mm. Like it, people just don't like that fact. So uh, I've had, I've had myself and some friends work in the street and um, you know, our cameras got broken and just got destroyed by folks because they are not very um, comfortable with that. So taking photo on that street, you gotta be very, you gotta be tough. Um, you've got to really, you know, have your, uh, but, but, but one thing I also learned before I left, because, um, I'm not sure if I, I know you'll probably get to that, but, um, I did an exhibition, I think two exhibitions before I left. And one of the projects I did involved me going to certain streets in Lagos. Hmm. But one thing that I saw that really worked, uh, things are getting better now. One thing I saw was that I was able to get permit. Um, from folks around. So getting the permits was very important and that helped to, you know, solve that problem of so meaning that if you want to take street photos, you just gotta find a way to get a the right permit and make sure that folks are aware of what you're coming to do before you get there, right? So when you when they see you, it's not strange to them. Mm -hmm. So but else, you know, it's it's not it's not so fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
You mentioned the exhibition. One of them is the air pollution in Lagos. Yes. Those yes. are beautiful. I love, I saw one of them and I love the composition. Oh, thank you. And the thank color. Thank you. Um, what made you think of doing the project? Yeah, interesting. So uh, sometime, I think, trying to remember the year now, was it 20, 2017, 2018? So um, we had a masterclass with Canon, uh, the same popular Canon. So Canon uh, invited a couple of photographers, just some very few of us. Uh, like, I think we were like six or thereabout mm. for a masterclass. And um, the goal of the masterclass is to, you know, introduce us to some uh, Canon ambassadors that are doing amazing work around the mm. world. Just get us, you know, a notch higher in our career as photographers, right? So it was a very interesting opportunity to learn from great, you know, great people that are, that work for Canon and, you know, their Canon um, um, ambassadors. And after that, that's, you know, that training or that uh, masterclass, uh, we, were, we were given a project, you know, and the goal is that we were asked to do whatever we wanted to do, but something that solves social or economic issue across the country or the continent, you know, mm. just telling the story that will really uh, bring about a narrative of what is going on and how the government or whoever it is may be, you know, provide solutions to such. Then I remember just, you know, think brainstorming with my coach to say, okay, what exactly can I come up with? And I realized that one thing that is very common across the whole of Lagos is hair pollution, right? And um, reason for that is because there's a lot of, there are a lot of industries in Lagos, um, a lot of manufacturing industries. Mm. And um, it felt at a point that um, the air pollution is a, is a big deal, but maybe folks are not paying good attention to that part. So that really drew me to, you know, just going there to tell the story of how people, you know, different spots in Lagos where the activities are going on and how this has affected the lives of the people. Hmm. So, that, you know, just creating that awareness would also, because a problem you don't know, you cannot solve, right? So uh, I swung to action and, uh, you know, went to different parts of Lagos where we have these industries, you know, and just sort of uh, telling that story of how, that is contributing to the hazard, hazard, you know, across across the across the the city, and also taking photos of a couple of people that are impacted by this as well, and um, and of course that helped to create awareness uh, for the exhibition itself. And uh, I think there are a couple of images that uh, we came out uh, from, uh, you know, with our session, and I think it was an it was it was a successful one. And my other colleagues exhibited on different topics and, and whatnot, but I think overall. Uh, we all had good experience, uh, you know, uh, through that workshop. Mm. How did they choose you? Yeah, good question. <laughs> so I, I think I, I'm trying to remember the way that came about, but I think basically the criteria for those that were picked was essentially, uh, you know, they were on the lookout for folks that have really done some good work in the community, you know, in mm. terms of their their um their storytelling so far uh, not just uh not just the because it's a masterclass right so it was expected that those that it chose were those that are already in the field of photography and already uh doing their stuff you know so the masterclass is just to get them to meet other guys that are that have been much more in the industry for longer years mm -hmm. much more experience so it was essentially just you know 
you know and um and i think one thing that was also helpful was that you know i kept put was you know putting the work out there so people know exactly the competence and the skill you know mm-hmm. that um that we have as photographers i think those were also very uh very essential to 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 the choice that uh, that they made mm. did you apply for it or they just like know you through like reference Yeah, I I'm, I can. Re- I think we are. I think we submitted. It's been a long time, but I think we submitted images at some okay. point to, uh, and I think we also put, we also added a social media platform. I I can I can remember vividly how, I think that was a couple of years ago. I can't mm. remember how the criteria was determined, but f- but for sure there were there were a couple of panel from from their side as well that you know that decided on those that really uh, they felt would you know would get the best out of the session so mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier that you have a coach has yeah. he is he this person has been the biggest influence in your life yeah so uh, a different part a different part in my journey i've you know I, i've had different uh currently i've i've coach i have a coach i have a mentor as well in photography uh the coach she, she's based out, out of kenya she's a wonderful person and of course you know she taught me a couple of things back then at the master class which i still hold dear to my heart and i think one of such is that um you know when you're telling a story you you got to make sure you uh you tell it you know from a sincere heart like don't don't manipulate a story don't make it look good tell it the way it is right mm. don't, because storytelling essentially is that you're communicating what you're seeing right and um I'm not telling the story for the audience to like I'm not trying to control the emotion of the audience. I'm just trying to tell the story the way it is. So mm-hmm. the emotion the audience is feeling is up to them, right? Because you see some images, some someone may see something different and other people may see something different, right? Which is perfectly fine because we all look but see differently. It's 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 a natural thing. Mm. But as a photographer, my job is to tell the story the way it is, no filter. And I remember my coach telling us then that when you guys are going on the field to take these photos, um, don't rely on post process for the mm. photo. Do not rely on post process because whatever photo you're taking, you're gonna be exhibiting the photo. You are not gonna mess up with the angles or put colors or whatever it is, you're not going to use any software for post-process. So make sure that you get it right in the camera. That's what she says, right mm. in, right out of the camera. So so I remember taking those photos, the mindset was that you just got to make sure your setting is right and make sure the picture, you get it right out of the camera. So, you know, of course, I, I also have a, a, a mentor in Nigeria, uh, one of my folks back in church then that really, I was a good influence and also our friends around now since I moved to Canada as well I've I've had to meet a couple of other photographers across the world but uh but I would say my biggest um uh uh like a mentor that I'm yet to meet Lindsay Adler she's a um she's a fashion and portrait photographer out of she's based in New York City mm. uh hopefully um uh, we'll meet sometime uh, some some sometime later in the future definitely <laughs> You said about editing and filtering uh, photos. How much editing do you use when you take pictures? You or you do you not use anything at all? Yeah, so um I I edit my photos. Um but um if I'm taking a if so it it, it depends on what I'm doing, right? So 
if I'm taking a documentary photo, if I'm doing a shoot for the sake of documentary, mm-hmm. I may not do editing with that, right? I may not do, or I may just do a minimal edit, right? Uh, or not even do edit at all because you, you want to make sure you present a photo as is. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm doing other work like beauty, fashion, portrait photography, or you know every other form of photography, of course, I, I, I would have to do some editing. But um, the editing I also do in my work is uh, it's uh, minimal in the sense that I try to still make sure the subject is still recognizable, right? I don't want to edit your picture to make you look like it's not you. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever editing I do still, it's, I try to keep it very simple and um, I'm, I'm minimal so that mm. um, in the process of, you know, uh, editing, I, I don't want to lose the identity of the person in the photo. 100%. Do you ever did uh, wedding photography? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I think if, if you ask every photographer at some point in their life, they shot weddings. <laughs> However, the way it turned out, either good or bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I did a couple of weddings. I, I've been doing weddings as well in Canada as well uh i i just gotta I put out more work out there so folks see the, the gallery of for, for my wedding portfolio but i've been doing weddings uh this year was pretty uh busy with weddings uh, almost through this whole summer it was mm-hmm. to, but i but i do weddings as well and i think um it's so interesting because wedding is is, is storytelling you're telling story wedding is documentary right mm-hmm. so takes me back to the foundation of documentary photography which essentially is very key to every photographer out there to really know that part of uh, the work because um, that defines even your style, the way you, you know, because, you know, taking a photo of a wedding, you would know that there are certain things you have to pay attention to. And you are telling a story right from when the bride or groom is getting dressed to the details of what they are wearing to when they get a church. It's a progression and it's a story. So, it's essentially uh, that's uh, that's the way it goes for wedding as well. So, mm. how do you deal with difficult people? Yeah, so so I I think one one mindset that I have is that um, everybody you know when a clients pay for a work and um, they uh, they have the rights you know every rights to be uh, to have the opinion because you know he will pay the piper to take the tune right mm. so i always come from the point of empathy right for my clients because i also know that if if i pay someone to do something for me and maybe they don't do it up to my taste or you know the way i want it to be done i'm going to be concerned right mm. so i i treat my clients in that way such that even if when they are concerned if they're concerned uh we always have to talk things to know okay what exactly is the issue right do you you know what exactly uh, is the is the reason for this thought? You know, is this something we can fix? So basically, just coming from that point of empathy to also know that um, if, even of course we know that there are, there are certain times when um, now. Nah, but to answer that question, also I also want to add that that's why contracts is very important uh, mm. as, as a business owner as a photographer. You got to be able to have contracts when you're doing work with clients so that. Um, everything is every terms and conditions are stated in the contract. So if anything happens, you know that you're covered with the contract, right? And uh, if there's anything that is not in the contract that is an issue to the client, then it's going to be a different conversation entirely, right? So I think having contracts also as a photographer also helps to really 
manage all of those things that may arise uh you know based on clients uh complaint mm. can you think of like a moment the craziest thing you ever experienced during a photo shoot yeah i it's it's still fresh in the memory <laughs> i remember one time in lagos right uh because pretty much in lagos i i transitioned from you know different genre uh i did documentary uh then from there i did uh i went to fashion i did some fashion photography you know going for for runways and fashion shows and taking backstage and runway you know pretty pretty intense stuff but that's what i love right i like it and my favorite part of that is you know going backstage and shooting the dress ups of the models so everyone yelling on each other and you know you know different wardrobe my function like things are just happening at the back that's really where i get the energy because anybody can take runway right but backstage is where the the soup is really being being made right so that's where i like to be so i remember one time you know i think it was i think it was a lagos fashion week uh in 20 that should be 2018 or thereabout I was at the backstage shooting and everything and um, because my camera is a touch screen camera right i didn't realize that my body was touching the touch screen and i formatted the card oh no dude <laughs> right in the middle of the show I, oh. I i i lost it i lost it i was like this is not happening. I literally was just, I, I didn't even realize I had formatted, like I was just checking some of the, you know, typical you want to check some photos. So like I had completed the backstage, I went to the runway just to get set and everything. And and I, I was like, no foul. What? <laughs> no foul for no memory card. I'm like, oh. what on earth is going on then? But I, I in every situation that I find myself, I always try to keep myself calm. Mm. Knowing that once so far I'm alive, there's always a way. Like when there's life, there's hope. So I just try to calm myself down. But I didn't shoot with that card, so I removed the memory card from the camera. I used another memory card to continue to shoot. I stayed that through, then I left. Then I called some some of my folks, my friends, and uh, were able to get a software to recover the files. Oh no way! Yes, that was that was what really saved me because um, I I didn't know what I would do <laughs> it, because those files were very very important you know backstage stuff and um, you know and these things it's all about the moment once the moment is gone it's gone right mm. I, I always tell my folks that my other photography colleagues that one one mantra one thing I also keep very important to my heart as a photographer is that if you snooze you lose the moments are happening. Especially when you're shooting weddings or fashion show or whatever it is, you can recreate moments, right? For example, kiss the bride. If you miss that, you miss that. Like there's no way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you you snooze, you lose. So I yeah. So essentially, that was one experience that was very tough. But um, thankfully, I was able to find a solution to it after the show. <laughs> mm -hmm. I like what you said there that um, the moment's gone. The moment's gone. There's a quote from Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, the hockey player. Mm -hmm. But a lot of photographers use it now. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what the code is, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want to say it? Oh, which, which of the codes? Uh, the code is, you miss the shot that you don't take. Oh, yes, that one. Yes, yes. You miss the shot you don't take. Yes, for sure. Yeah. I love the code because <laughs> I dabble with photography as well. Not right. as high level as you, obviously, but I, I do all right, you know? Yeah. yeah. I'm more of like an Instagram 
uh, photographer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like um, I do like street photography, but I focus more of like nature, nature or normal things. Beautiful. Yeah. Speaking of fashion, yeah. Vogue Italia contributor. Yeah. Big deal. How did you scoop that up? Yeah, I, I think I I remember one time a friend of mine, also a photographer, I, I saw on his portfolio, you know, on his Instagram page that he's a Vogue Italia contributor. I'm like, how on earth are you a contributor to Vogue? <laughs> Vogue Italia, which essentially it's 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 a it's a Vogue Italia contribution, it's it's like a platform where photographers get to upload photos and um, you know, and once the editor of Vogue, they see your picture as Vogue worthy, they now publish it on their mm. website, right? That's how you become a contributor in, in a nutshell. So, and I was asking him, how on earth did you do this? Then, you know, you know, I remember my friend saying that, Femi, you, you, you have what it takes, right? Essentially, what you just have to do is to make sure you, it, it, it just feels like, it just feels like, um, you know, you need to know how to speak the language, mm. right? You, you need to know how to create the aesthetics that really speaks to what is needed, right? And if you're able to do that, then you you surely get it. And I think uh, what I now, you know, what I now did was I remember one time I was just uh, thinking with uh, I there's this agency I used to collaborate with uh, before I moved, and um, I reached out to them that okay, I got a concept in my mind, in my head, I really want to paint out with my camera and 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 we and we fixed the day we hit up you know we went to the studio to take photos and right there and then i was like okay this is gonna make it on vogue what i'm looking at here it's got, we're gonna make it on vogue with this they were like really i'm like yeah we're gonna do it so we started the shoot and um thankfully as go will have it we made it on vogue you know just you know and um that was the beginning and Afterward, I've done a couple of other stuff. Like I have a couple of photos in there in the portfolio, but and, um, that are that are approved. And um, and essentially, that's how you become a con- that's how you become a contributor. Mm-hmm. Once you have your images uh, approved and published by the editors for from Vogue, and um, uh, th- that makes you a contributor to the platform as well. Mm-hmm. Do you get paid for it? No, there's no there's no there's no payment for it. Okay, they'll use your photo yeah. that could you know put your name out there but they won't pay you for the photo yeah I, I, yeah basically you know I think what 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 it the the concept behind that is essentially um, you know creating a community for photographers to really show their work mm-hmm. and help to promote their skill and also help them to a point where they are known by brands for example you know if, if you want to apl- approach a brand tomorrow and say okay i'm a vogue italia contributor and and that goes to show that okay for vogue to have been able to use your work it means that you really know your mm-hmm. stuff right so that that in a way you know it just feels like having a community of photographers and elevating their their talents and helping them to um to to you know to 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 be able to approach bigger brands mm-hmm. and even vogue itself i like this friend of mine i think Yes, I think he's done something for Vogue after that as well, officially, something bigger for Vogue. And of course, that, would, that wouldn't that would have come about if he didn't have like good record of his contribution, mm. you know, in the community as well. So that's essentially the picture. Mm. Did they send you a certificate saying that, hey, you're officially a Vogue contributor? Oh, no, there's no certificate. But, but once you go to your profile, you're going to see there that you're, you're a contributor. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, 
you so you've done documentary and you've done fashion. Which one do you prefer more doing? Um, I think I would say both of them are documentary, mm. right? Fashion also is documentary, but documentary in an organized con- con- uh, uh, in, in an organized context. Mm. That's fashion for you. So if you ask me what's the difference, I'll just tell you fashion, whether it's fashion, whether it's wedding, whatever it is, they are all documentary. But now in a context where you have things arranged, you know, for example, for, for wedding or for fashion, you know, for fashion, you know, okay, uh, the wrong way is, this is the plan for the wrong way. This is the plan for the backstage. You know, the makeup is going to start at this time. Everyone is at the backstage doing makeup, changing to dresses, different fashion houses are having their models go out there to, to you know, to work on the wrong way, to go back to change and all of that. All of that is happening. All of that is planned, right? So the documentary aspect is as a photographer, you're just there documenting everything as is happening in real life in real time that's the documentary right but but as a as the other documentary photographer whereby it's not in a fashion show it's just the regular one you're still doing documentary but now you're just telling the story as it is as it's as it's coming to you on the streets mm-hmm. right so nobody is telling anyone to pose on the street <laughs> it's natural right? it's, it's out there so you just got to go there but in case of fashion folks are putting an agenda around stuff right so at the end of the day both of them are still documentary, but I think I, I just love documentary at, at the heart of, you know, that's the core of photography. So that's part of it is uh, what, I, what I really uh, like. So regardless of whatever it is, I'm, I'm, I'm still much more in tune with documentary as, as the foundation. Mm-hmm. Going back to your uh, Vogue Italia contribution, the, the, I love the concept that you did. You know, right, the black you. man and the <laughs> albino man. The face. Yes, I, yes. Did you... Have to find these people, or you mentioned that you were working with some uh, agency. Yeah, it was through the agency. Um, so it was through the agency that that we got to to collaborate, and I think the idea for that concept was just to to tell a story of um, people. You know, I think the title of that image is Unity, and um, the idea for that is to say, regardless of your skin color. Uh, we're one like you know what makes us human is not the the melanie or whatever it's on that skin what makes us human is the fact that um, we are human it's as simple as that you know whether you're black whether you're white whether you're you're regardless of your skin color right you know uh, our humanity is not defined by our skin color so we have to be united because we're humans Mm -hmm. so that's that was the concept of that and of course the models that that I use that we work together there. They're they're from the agency, so we just uh, it was. Um, but of course, before the shoot, I had sent out a mood board because my style. I tried to, to uh, work with a mood board to sort of have a concept that we're What's going for. What's a mood board? We were able to... So basically, a mood board is a compilation of different ideas or different how you would want the picture to look like at the end of the day. It's like saying, okay, this is how this picture should look, should really come out right so for example this is the outfit the, the person should be wearing or this is these are the accessories mm-hmm. this is the backdrop color you know this is the posing style this is the lighting style so a mood board is essentially saying that you know how do i want how do i envision the outcome of this shoot to look like so that's what you send a brief to the folks to say okay so i did have an idea of the creative direction you're going with the shoot then we jumped into the shoot so the, the mood board was essentially in guiding us to know what to do and what not to do on the shoot so what how did you come up with the idea i'm gonna take a 
a black model and an albino model because that's a really good idea. Yeah, I think the whole idea started from the concept of unity. Um, I wanted to paint a picture. I wanted to tell a story that essentially um, uh, paints that picture of unity regardless of uh, your skin color or the pigment under your skin or whatever. And of course, um, so a way to do that is to say, okay, regardless of whether you're an albino or you're black or you're white or you're Indian, you know, I just sort of use those two personas to represent unity, but I might as well have used different personas as well, right? It, it just feels like I just sampled and used two personas to say, okay, these are two personas, even though their skin color is different to the high, but uh, the, 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 the common base we have is that we are human and we need to be united, right? So that's essentially what, uh, what, what I used to, uh, to paint the picture. And if you see the posing style, the way they were posed, you could see the hands even, you know, going underneath each other, just to tell you that, you know, and that's essentially unity. It's not like they're apart, they're like interwoven, mm. right? So that's telling you that uh, regardless of um, or your skin, we are one. You know, sort of, it feels like one hand is hugging the other hand, but it's it's coming from different bodies. Mm -hmm. So essentially, that's just painting a picture of unity. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful, man. When you have a session, a photography session, do you come up with idea, or is the model or the the customer comes up with idea? Yeah. So pretty much before every shoot, I like to, of course, I like to talk to the customer to really understand what they want to do. Um, because um, I I believe that if I know the mindset or the concept the person is working with, that's when we can create images that would really you know make the clients happy about the job, right? So I typically will have a debrief with the person, the customer, to know okay, or the model to say okay, what concept are we working with? And essentially, we just have a mood board to say okay. Uh, these are the ideas I have, you know, let's create a, for example, Pinterest, as simple as that. Most of the time, my Pinterest is a, is a place to go for me. So let's create Pinterest and let's add ideas of what you're looking at. Of course, we are not gonna do, do like a copy work from Pinterest, but what we're doing is just creating a vision that we can use to create our own stuff, mm. right? So we're not gonna do exactly what we see on Pinterest, but we're gonna use that as, as, a, as a board to step up to create something new for ourselves. Mm. At least we have a vision of what we're looking at, right? So that's what I like to share with my clients. And we, we try, we get on the same page before the day of the shoot, so that when we get to the studio or the location, we hit the ground running. Mm. Because there's we have in mind, you know, we'll have taken into account things like the accessories, um, the makeup, the kind of makeup we're doing, you know, the kind of lighting I'm gonna be, uh, I'm gonna be using for that for the shoot, uh, the hairstyling, you know, if it, it requires that, so all of the different details are the things I have to check off to make sure that okay, we're good to go for the for the for the shoot. Mm, definitely, listen, man, this has been such a great conversation, and you've been so generous. Thank you so much. But I think we're there. But before we close out, one question for you. Sure. What lesson has your work life taught you? Right. Um, I think one lesson I've learned, I've learned a lot of lessons, but I'm just going to highlight a few. The first one is that um, whatsoever you're doing, you got you to gotta, you gotta believe in yourself and you, you got to keep it going, right? Um, I remember starting off as a photographer. I, I wasn't doing it for the money, right? Even though money is good, 
But um, one thing I tell my students, because I also have students that I teach photography, one thing I tell them is that um, if you want to, if you really, if your goal is to make money first, then don't don't go into photography. But if you're doing it for the love, the money is gonna come. You know, one of my students, she was like, "Oh, I've invested a lot in this few months. I haven't made a dime." I'm like, "Do you know when I started making money?" <laughs> I didn't make money the first year. Like, I'm like, like you, you got to start somewhere, like, right? Like doing stuff for people and just um, just to get yourself out there as well. So one thing I learned there is that you, if, if you have a dream, um, it doesn't have to be photography. Whatever dream you have, it's valid. However crazy it may sound, however non-conventional it may sound, but it's, your dream is valid. Your dreams are valid. And, and I'm a testimony of that. And also, um, you got to be consistent with whatever you're doing. Consistency is key. Um, talent is not enough. Consistency is what really makes talent to stand out at the end of the day. You, you can be as talented, but if the consistency is not there, people would not know, right? So it is the consistency you put in with your talent and that really makes the work speak for itself at the end of the day. Mm. Wise word from a wise man. Again, Femi, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for having me today on the show. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good night. And you too. Bye. Bye. Thank you again, Femi, for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, listeners, for listening. This is Aaron Deliosa for An Immigrant's Life. I'll see you guys later. <laughs>